0: Welcome to Tales for Our Time. the regenerative storytelling podcast exploring the role of stories, folk culture and nature connection in the creation of a better world. I'm your host, Dougie Mackay, a professional storyteller based here in the heart of Scotland. I'm recording this on an uncharacteristically sunny day here in mid-January. And it feels like winter might just be breaking We're definitely moving out of the deep, dark times of midwinter. I saw some snowdrops, some white flowers in the garden just yesterday, and it feels like spring could be on the horizon. And so it's in the spirit of emergence from winter that I record today's podcast. One thing I'm kind of curious about and keen to explore in this podcast, something that I explore in my day-to-day life is... The role of stories as reflective tools and also nature, likewise, as a tool for reflection and how stories and the natural world and the individual can provide a really interesting interface for living or tools for living. And often the seasons provide a really simple vantage point for paying attention to what's happening in our natural environment. And especially somewhere like Scotland, where the seasonal swing is quite as extreme as it is. So here in mid-January, I've been kind of reflecting on which stories might work. What would be a suitable story to catch the energy of this moment of emergence? And winter's by no means gone. We're still in the wintry time of year. It's only mid-January. And I was thinking of a number of different things that kind of came up when I consider this time of year. It's really just at the end of what I sense is a midwinter hibernation gathering period. Here in Scotland, New Year would last at least 10 days. And that's not just to recover from the hangover from Hogmanay. It was a time when a lot of the work stopped and people did have time to actually gather, do the things that they didn't have time for through the busy summer working months. And people would take that time to go and visit Kin, visit friends, to go and first foot. So not only would you be catching up with people, friends and family after the 1st of January, you would be going and bringing blessings. You'd be bringing food, you'd be bringing coal, you'd be bringing whiskey, you'd be bringing things that would bless the house. And and I guess setting good intentions for the coming cycle, the cycle of the coming year. It's also always a time of rest and dreaming. It's kind of easy to forget about that in the, in the modern frenzy of Christmas, which for me can feel quite frenetic. All the shopping, all the remembering people, and the eating and the buying and the spending time with people can actually be a little bit frenetic, but there's a deep restful quality in the middle of winter that I know if I remember to make use of, my winter feels much better. It feels much richer. So it's that quality of dreaming and rest that I was thinking we could play on that today. There's something of the bear that I was considering and the hibernation and the earthy deep deep slumber that the bear takes. So I thought we could tell a bear story. I thought maybe something of the moon. It's this time of year where the moon comes into prominence and actually yes last night and this morning there was this amazing full moon hanging low in the sky. I saw it as I came home last night in the northeast and as I dropped my daughter off in school this morning, it had swung all the way round and was sitting, hanging luminous in the northwest. Big full moon, I think in cancer at the moment, which probably means more to some people out there than it does to me. So I thought, maybe a story of the moon and the sun. There's so many great tales, especially from northern climes of the sun and the moon as characters and the, the constant interplay between these characters. But... Eventually, I decided on the following tale. This story comes from the Isle of Skye. And it comes from a time when people wouldn't have survived without banding together. People would get together and help each other with the peak cutting. They would share the excess food they had. And they would all pull together and support each other in tough times such as the winter. Now this story comes from over 150 years ago, in a little glen called Ollisdale. And this glen had once been populated with many, many people, a close-knit community. But as in many places in the Highlands, those people had been cleared. Those people had been removed from their home to make way for the sheep. So it came to the point where there was only one cottage inhabited in the whole glen. And that belonged to the shepherd and the shepherd's wife, Mary. Now, Mary was one of the the old sort. She believed in the strange old ways that had been popular in her youth. So not only would she share with the people around her, but she would leave a little something out for the wee folk, for the fairies. A little bit of cream on the milk, a little bit of oatmeal, a little bit of butter, whatever they had excess of that she would leave a little bit out down at the bottom of the garden and always it would be gone the next day. And people thought her strange, but she was kindly enough. There came a time when the shepherd had died and she was alone. And even though she had little, she would still leave a little bit out for the fairies, for the wee folk. And as was the way, even though there was no one left in the glen, there was a man called Donald in the next glen. And he would always keep an eye on old Mary and make sure she was okay. A couple of times a year, he would take his horse pulling a cart along the glen and he would take her a bag of tea, some salted fish, some oatmeal. Whatever extra he had, he would come and make sure she had enough to get her through the year. And they would always catch up, pass on the news, and he would hear the strange old stories that she used to tell about when she was a girl. There was one year, however, when the snow, the winter came in hard, it came in early, it came in a blizzard, and Donald looked out his window and he realised that the snow wasn't going to stop any time soon. Flakes upon flakes upon flakes and a howling wind, and he thought, there's no way I can get across to check on Mary. There's no way my horse will make it through this. And it seemed like it was, the snow would never end the drifts got higher and higher and higher. And he feared the worst, for he knew that her goat wasn't giving milk at the moment. He'd be surprised if she'd had time to get her potatoes or tatties in yet. And as every day of snowfall followed, he became more and more concerned for the health of this old woman. Eventually, There was a break in the snow. Eventually there was a blue sky and even though the snow was still laying thick on the ground, he managed to take his way out of his own cottage and carry his his way on up to Ollisdale. He took a sack of provisions on his back, some oatmeal, some fish, just a few bits and pieces and it has to be said he feared the worst. Whatever concerns he had, They were doubled when he saw Mary's cottage. When he saw the whole cottage covered with snow and just the tiny chimney poking out the top. I thought, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to find here. And when he got closer, even worse than that, he saw scrambling, scampering out of the chimney, a great dog fox. And the dog fox disappeared into the distance, licking his lips. He thought, oh my God. This dirty dog fox has been chewing an old Mary's bones. What am I going to find? It's going to be horrific. But he couldn't turn back now. So he carried on and carried on. And when he got close to the cottage, he noticed there was just a tiny wisp of smoke. He could smell the peat in the air and there was a tiny wisp of smoke coming from the chimney. And these days, the chimneys were great wide openings that came up through the centre of the roof. He thought, well, that's strange. And he had a little bit of hope. So he managed to scramble his way down the chimney. He got down into the house and there he saw old Mary. Sitting as happy and as healthy as he'd ever seen her. He said, Mary, Mary, you're alive. Of course I'm alive, she said. Mary, Mary, I thought that dirty dog fox had been chewing in your bones. I feared the worst when I saw it, but you're sitting here as right as rain. How can that be so? And she said, that was not a dirty great dog fox. That was a very nice fox for every day. It's brought me either a rabbit or a hare. It's brought me something to eat each day that it's hunted for me. And with that and the snow, the snow-melted water, I've lived rather well. And so it was with great relief he heard the story and they sat, they shared some tea, they shared some food, they shared some banter, some crack. And happily... At the end of that afternoon, Donald made his way home in the knowledge that old Mary was safe and she would enough to see her through the winter at least. And when he scrambled out, when he scrambled out of the chimney and he looked and he wondered about where the fox had gone, he looked and there was no footprints left in the snow. Nothing at all, no matter how he searched, he could see not one paw print, only his own great footsteps from his boots. And it was then. When he thought about this fox that had been returning the favours to Mary, when he noticed there was not one footprint in the snow, he remembered how she always left something out for the wee folk. He thought maybe there was something in these old stories after all. So that's kind of simple old Highland folktale that I heard from the Sheneke, George McPherson or Shoris McPherson up on the Isle of Skye. And there are so many of these curious, short, old folk tales kicking about in the Highlands and they would just be passed on, kind of household to household, in, and they weren't told they were told for entertainment, but they weren't fantastical tales. These these are the sort of tales that were told as true, but have a kind of supernatural element to them. There are many such tales in in Scotland and especially in the Highlands. And they're not always the, you know, the grand, elaborate tales that modern performance storytellers would pick up and tell. But I kind of like this one. It's... The sort of story I could imagine my grandmother telling. And somehow that makes me, yeah, that makes me kind of happy. And there's a few things that are curious about this tale or a few things that stand out. First, we've got the Highland Clearances. And I'm not going to go into them in too much depth today. Maybe we will on another episode. But when I first started looking for Highland folktales for myths and legends, I imagined I was going to find tales of fairies and of dragons and of supernatural creatures. But I found when I went to the authentic kind of folktale storytelling collections, what came up again and again and again were these tales from the Highland Clearances. And those stories being particularly sobering, really tragic tales and tales that mostly are quite hard to tell. You know, you could really kill the vibe in at a party or at an event with such a tale. So as a storyteller, there's this kind of a bit of a dichotomy. How do we bring in those heavier topics, heavier... um historical events that were obviously really influential. Still in Scotland, in the Highlands, the I would say the culture and use of land and land management is still massively influenced by this time. A hundred years or so of people being evicted by force from their homes. People being driven from the land. And... You know, we might talk about things like ancestral trauma, how it might feel for several generations of people to not be safe in their homes, for people to be burned out of their homes, for pe- elderly and pregnant women to be upstairs whilst the thatch of the, fa- of the house gets set on fire. The trauma of the injustice of the landlords and and the police, and the army, and the local newspapers often, and even the ministers who upheld the rightness of the landlord to drive people from their homes, off their hereditary land, off the clan lands by force. And there's also the consequence of this. As people left on boats, some ended up in as indentured slaves, in what was called the new world canada america australia but also some of these people cleared went and perpetuated this harm and their own form of colonization in these new new lands they ended up on so it was a very tragic time and a long period a hundred or so years there are industrial influences industrial factors, economic factors that feed into it and also there is um, a willingness of the British state to crush the clan system, the Gaelic way of living which had been a threat to the British establishment. So it was a hard time in the Highlands and we just catch a little of that in the start of the story. There used to be many people there. There used to be up to 30% of the Scottish population based in the Highlands. And over 100 years that was reduced to 8%. Many of those people pushed to the cities or to across the water on ships. And yeah, there are many, many tragic tales. So I think For me, this story is powerful because it references the clearances without diving right into the the grit of it. We get a little flavour of the tragedy, but we don't dwell there for too long. And ultimately, this story is quite sweet. It's, yeah, it's about kindness. It's about neighbourliness. It's about helping each other out. And I can still relate to the characters in this story almost like remind me of... The people in the Scottish Highlands, where my dad grew up, in the rural communities of Sutherland, where that was just how people lived. You know, there was still that code of cult conduct woven through the culture. That if there was someone old, if there's someone frail, if there was someone on their own, you'd all collectively look out for them. And you would all get together and help at the peat cutting or the sheep shearing. And I think even that has changed over 50 years. So there's a a dearness finding that still alive in this story. The sense of neighbourliness, the sense of helping each other out. And the third element of the story, which shows up in so many of these old Scottish, Irish, British tales, folk tales, is that reciprocity with the landscape or maybe the fairy, the fairy folk. And to me, often the fairies show up in these tales and they play this kind of curious role, almost as like regulators of our or observers of the way that we interact with the natural world. And there's something very pleasing in its simplicity that this old woman leaves a little something out and when the time is right... The fox or the fairies, who know which, come back and help her out. So that's a kind of sweet, there's a sweetness at the end of this story. And a curiosity, because surely once upon a time, this story would have been told as true. And it's told leaving the question, you know, how did this happen? And probably whoever observed it or whoever told the tale was unable to come to a conclusion themselves. And many curiosities and mysteries exist in Scotland and in Scottish tales in just this fashion. So, that's about us for this week. We are more or less out of time. Hopefully you enjoyed the story. And I would really welcome any stories, anecdotes, personal tales, tales that you have heard that are similar to that one and feel free to share them in the comments or send us a message. We welcome comments, reviews, subscriptions and shares of this podcast. Feel free to pass it on to a friend. We would really appreciate that. It really helps us to grow and support this investigation of gnarly old tales and how they can sustain us, how they can support us in the modern world. Maybe you could send this podcast on to someone who might appreciate that touch of kindness in their life. Maybe you could send it to someone who loves fairies, or who loves foxes, or who loves both. It's a fine combination of fairies and foxes. So as we wind out, I'm also curious about this old idea of blessings. The power of the word that shows up in old Gallic culture. So maybe there's a a blessing we can glean from this story before we wind out. Maybe you can think of a better one than me, feel free to share it. But I'm thinking, may the kindness that we show to others return to us when we most need it. This is Tales for Our Time, and until next time that we meet around the digital hearth fire, may the foxes and the fairy be with you.